Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about growing as a leader. With me today is Dan Kopp. Dan is the founder of Leading Like a Buffalo Incorporated, an organization dedicated to helping people reach their leadership potential and understanding through self-appreciation, skill development, networking, and support. Dan is also the author of the recently published book titled The Power of Me Leadership, Nine Leadership Tenets for Every Leader. Welcome, Dan. It's great to talk to you today. Well, it's great to be here. I'm honored to be on your podcast, so thank you. To get us started, can you share a little bit about your leadership journey and why you decided not only to start leading like a buffalo, but write a book about leadership? Absolutely. But before I do that, I want to encourage your listeners to make sure you stay throughout the entire podcast because I guarantee you that you are going to take away nuggets of information that will make you a better leader and you can implement immediately. And I also have an offer at the end. So back to your question, why leadership? Why now? What am I doing? That type of thing. I've been in a leadership position since I was a corporal in the United States Army back in the day. And at the time, I wasn't really thinking about leadership development. But as the years progressed, and I continued to be in leadership positions in the Army and then in public education, I repeatedly got feedback from people about how I had something unique to offer because my approach is about common sense and based on the individual values and tenets that people hold dear. So it isn't about doing things like Dan does. It's about Mike leading like Mike can and and using your values and your skills to be a better leader. And that's the essence of the book. I talk about nine leadership tenets that every leader can adopt and make them their own. It's not about following a game plan written by Dan. It's about understanding approaches to leadership and making them come to life in your world, your organization, based on your values, your skill sets. I really like the common sense approach and using your values and skills. Also, before I I jump into my next question, just wanted to say thank you for your service to our great country. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I am eager, though, to dive into these nine tenets a little bit in your book. But before we get to that, I'd like to know your definition around me leadership. How did you come up with that? And what is it all about? Honestly, I was struggling with the title of the book. And it's about everybody has the power within them to be a leader. And they need to lead in a manner that's comfortable for them. I was being interviewed on a podcast last March, I think it was. And at the end of the podcast, the host said, well, I know what the title your your book's going to be. I said, well, enlighten me because I don't know. He said, it's going to be the power of me leadership because you're always talking about the power within each person to lead. So everybody's got that power. So it's it's the power of me leadership. Okay. That resonated with me and it stuck. I used it. So Uh, that's great. And I love the collaboration there just uh, in in the spot of the moment. Yep. All right, so let's walk through some of the nine tenets in your book. In order to do justice for all of them and not shortcut anything, maybe we can cover just a few today and then do another episode or two to cover the others. Fair enough? That'll work. All right, with that, I'll let you jump in with your first tenet. Well, let's talk about the name of our company because it embedded in the name of the company is one of the tenets. So our company is leading like a buffalo. And when we created this last year, My partner, Mike, and I knew that we wanted to have something with Buffalo in the title and we wanted to, leadership was important as well. So we talked about lead like a Buffalo and leading like a Buffalo. And we both support the idea that leadership is an active engagement. You have to actively do something in order to lead. 
Keep in mind, even the art of delegating is action. So it doesn't mean you're doing everything, but you are actively engaged as a leader. So there's the leading part of our the name of our company, Leading Like a Buffalo. Like a Buffalo comes into one of the tenants, and the tenant is Be the Buffalo. So I've always lived my life this way, and I didn't have a name for it until about, oh boy, it must have been like 2008 or nine, and I was reading a magazine, and it was Oprah's magazine of all things. And I'm not a read an article type guy, but I am a look at a chart and understand a chart type guy. So there was a little uh, snippet on one of the pages that said, top 10 things I've learned in my life. And it was written by um, Donna Brazil, who's a political pundit, been around for a while. And I thought, well, this is intriguing. I, what are the top 10 things she's learned? That's, that sort of is interesting to me. So I started reading it. And number one was the essence of being the buffalo. And being the buffalo is nothing more than confronting issues in front of you that, and addressing issues in front of you that need to be addressed. So the term be the buffalo comes from something she learned from the head of the Cherokee Nation, a woman by the name of Wilma Mankiller. And she said the Cherokee people base their approach to life on the American bison, also known as the buffalo. If you've ever been on the Great Plains, you can envision that you can pretty much see forever. You can see storms coming. And when that happens, the cows, the females, typically turn tail and run. So they're going the same direction as the storm, so they don't get through it too quickly. But the male typically charges the storm, so they get through the storm rather quickly. So the storm in our lives and in leadership are issues in front of us that need to be addressed. You can turn tail and run from it, and it, you're never going to get through it, or you can face it and address it and get it behind you. So it's not about liking confrontation. I've been accused of, you like confrontation. No, I hate it. I absolutely abhor confrontation. I just like it behind me better than I do in front of me. I address issues that need to be addressed. And what comes with that, not only is it healthier for the individual who's got to address the issue, but it also, it's a part of accountability, which we'll get into later. It's another tenant. But when people here address the issue in front of you, it, it screams of negative connotation, but it could be subtle. It could be just a course correction. You're giving somebody who works for you. It's some constructive feedback. And it could be something egregious, but it's not necessarily earth-shattering stuff that you have to address, but it's stuff that makes you uncomfortable, so it's easier to avoid than actually to address it. So be the buffalo, get those uncomfortable conversations behind them, put the onus and the ownership of what the issue is on the person who owns it, shift that off your shoulders onto them, and it makes life and leadership easier. So most people understand everything I just said, but then I ask people to think about a conversation you've had to have with a loved one, a coworker, a boss, somebody who works for you, a colleague, a teammate, a coach, et cetera, and it's an uncomfortable thing you need to talk about. 99% of the people realize when I have this discussion with them that the, the dread leading up to the conversation is actually worse than the conversation itself. So don't lose sleep over conversations that you should be having. Plus, from the outside looking in, if you know something in front of you needs to be addressed, everybody else in your organization knows that as well. And if you don't address it, they're going to assume you condone what you need to address. So if there's bad behavior or there's poor quality of work that everybody's seeing and you're choosing not to address it, all your coworkers are assuming you are okay what you're ignoring. 
So there's the essence of Be the Buffalo. That's where we got the name, Leading Like a Buffalo. Leadership takes action and Leading Like a Buffalo. The Buffalo part means you address things that need to be addressed. Thank you. And I know I feel a little better when I confront issues and try not to let things sit. I did that a little bit earlier in my career. Also, getting back to uh, the beginning, you talked about delegating, requiring action by a leader. And that's something we teach in a lot of our executive programs when we cover delegating. It's not just about dumping work on somebody else and uh, then go and hit the beach or whatever. So thank you for making that point there about delegation. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. So what's the next tenet you'd like to share? Well, let's talk about taking care of your people. I have encountered in my career, and especially in the last couple of years, a lot of employers who in a smaller organization where there's maybe one person who's the CEO slash HR slash CFO and one person doing everything and it's a 15 person company or organization and they forget that people are involved in what they're doing. It holds true in larger organizations as well because so many leaders have daily things to address, things to do, and they forget the small, subtle things that they that go a long way. And that's what taking care of your people means. It isn't doesn't mean coddling them. It doesn't mean holding their hand and making them happy. It means making a, an honest effort to make a good or establish a good positive rapport with them. So I've had this discussion. I was engaged with a leader of a nonprofit in the North Shore of Milwaukee a couple months ago, and he's got an organization of 42 people, but he and his significant other are the sole leaders of this organization. So we talked for about an hour about what leadership could be, and and he it really resonated with him when I said, take care of your people. And he said, oh my gosh, I, I just saw him sinking in his desk chair as we were talking because he just felt overwhelmed about what leadership is. He was He was so focused on tasks and the management of the organization, he forgot that the people involved needed to be treated as such. So he said, where do I begin? How do I do this? So I gave him two examples that he he was easily able to implement. He had told me that he had, although they weren't technically leaders, he had sort of tabbed eight individuals in the various departments as sort of advisors on a, I would call it a leadership team, um, but he didn't go so far as to call them leaders in the organization, but they met every two weeks. It was mostly managerial and logistical in nature. But I said, all right, you just told me you met for an hour, an hour and a half every two weeks on a Monday morning. I said, here's what you could easily do during that two-hour meeting that you've already got scheduled. The first five minutes set aside five minutes for verbal accolades and celebrations. So go around the room. Who wants to share something that's been that's gone great in the last two weeks or give out some accolades to somebody in this room or one of our coworkers who's not in this room? So while you're doing that, also have some blank note cards on the table and encourage those present to send out notes of appreciation, acknowledgement, gratitude, whatever you want to call them to your coworkers. Because I said, I guarantee you, you've seen some greatness in a coworker since the last time you met as a team. So if you do that routinely, it becomes a second nature to recognize greatness and show gratitude, but also you make it very easy to do an impactful thing in regard to acknowledging something great in an employee or coworker, and it's easily done in a meeting you've already got scheduled. I said, if that doesn't work, which it should, but if you don't want to adopt that initially, how about this? Me personally, as a leader, every Friday is about taking care of my people. It manifests itself in my world. I've used, I've coined the phrase, spread the love. 
So spreading the love is what I do on Friday. I, for the last 20 years, I've abhorred any type of calendar appointment on my calendar on Fridays. I, I hate it for the simple fact that Friday for me is about taking care of my people and I spread the love. So it's about going to where my coworkers are working. It's about texting people. It's about calling people. It's about emailing people. I did a post on LinkedIn the other day um, and it was challenging people. Hey, if you're out there, you need to reach out to people today and acknowledge their greatness and acknowledge their gratitude and the impact they've had on you this past year, et cetera. And it resonates with people and it doesn't take a lot. So again, getting back to that organization of 42 people, I said, I guarantee you, because we talked about the fact that they run a coffee shop as part of their nonprofit. I said, I know you've seen one of your baristas out front doing great things with customer service in the past two weeks. And he said, yeah, I have. I said, on Friday, which happened to be the next day, tomorrow morning, go to that person and say, hey, last Tuesday, I saw you do X, Y, and Z with that customer. It was great. Keep up the great work. That's all you have to do. You do that every Friday you're going to start making an impact. People are going to start realizing that you care and you realize there are humans involved in this organization. So taking care of your people, just like Be the Buffalo, those are general tenets that I discuss in my book, The Power of Me Leadership. And it's not about how Dan does it. It's not about how anybody else does it. It's how you, everybody should be able to adopt and adapt the idea of taking care of your people and make it come to life in their world with their context, their people, because maybe everybody's remote. Maybe you run an organization, everybody's remote for the last two years. That doesn't mean you can't text them. doesn't mean you can't call them. It doesn't mean now that we're coming out of COVID that you can't travel to their place of where they work or meet at a coffee shop halfway between your homes, whatever the case may be. Take care of your people and it will pay dividends because our people, regardless of what we're doing, whether we're creating widgets, selling cars, you name it, running a leadership program at UW-Milwaukee, our people are our greatest asset. And if we take care of our people, we're all in it together, we're going to be better off. Yeah, I love it. That's great advice and a couple of great suggestions and examples. One of the things I do kind of in line with the spread the love, and I've shared this with a lot of leaders over the years, is at the end of the day, and I'll admit, sometimes I do fall down on this because I maybe start too late, try to reach out to everybody on the team and ask them if they need anything before the end of the day. And they know. If they need something, I will stop what I'm doing. I'll get them the help they need or help them myself. And even if I'm asking them on my way out the door because they got away from me or I had meetings all afternoon and my coat's on and my bag's on my shoulder and I'm walking out, they've got the backup they need. And, right on. Uh, Love it. All right. Well, let's do one more tenet for this episode. What's next? Let's talk about leading like King Arthur. So I had a colleague reach out to me about a month ago and said, you know, Loved your book, best leadership book I ever read. He said that that leading like King Arthur. I had no idea where you were going with that. I love it. So leading like King Arthur. King Arthur, real or not, still not sure if he's real. Let's assume he was. Okay. Back in the day in England, he had, at least the myths tell us this, that he had Knights of the Round Table. And the Round Table is the key to this whole concept. He and his trusted advisors, the Knights, met around a round table where they all had a voice it wasn't necessarily equal voice because at the end of the day he was still the king but when they had topics to discuss and things to decide even if it was his decision to make they discussed him at that table and he embraced the voices of his trusted advisors and i've embraced that philosophy my entire leadership career 
where I know I am not the brightest, I'm not the best, I'm not the best leader, but I know when I surround myself with superstars, I am going to be better off. And if I embrace their voice, I'm going to be a better leader, better human being, better father, etc. So that's the essence of leading like King Arthur. So even if you've got a team of, there's three of you, you're the CEO and you've got a team in front of you that you could embrace. And again, it's not about collective ownership of a decision where you're trying to pass the buck and make them own your decision, but it's at least a way to validate what you're already going to do, perhaps, or to come up with a better solution. I talk about this in my book, and I had this experience in an executive cohort um, session about two years ago, three years ago. And we were talking at the table. There were a couple of people had zoomed in and there were four or five people around the table. And two people at the table said, we had this same issue and it blew up in our faces, but we did it two, we, we addressed the issue two different ways. And one of them said, well, if we had done halfway of what I did and sort of halfway what you did and sort of average it, maybe we would have had a better solution. So, oh my gosh, a couple of years, a couple hours later, it was my turn to talk. And, and for two hours, I thought about what had been, had been said. And I realized there was a tissue box on the table between those two leaders. So I said, hey, let's talk about the comment that was made two hours ago and use the tissue box as a metaphor for the right answer. So if a leader has a tissue box and doesn't talk to other leaders and holds that tissue box, hugs it tight like you would a football, you never know if that's the right placement of the tissue box. But if you all of a sudden put that tissue box out there and that's your answer and you put it on the table and you've got a team of eight around and everybody has a point of view that informs what should be done and your, your, your answer sort of moves around the table and becomes an average, if you will, of what everybody's points of view are, you are going to have a better answer. Now, theoretically, you have a team of eight, you're holding the tissue box, you let everybody else talk it's right back in your lap and your answer was exactly what you thought it should have been in the first place. Perfect. You would not have known that. It would not have been validated unless you had talked to your, your trusted advisors. But most likely, your approach is going to be influenced by those around you and your answer is going to be better off and it's going to, going to be a mixture of everything you just heard. Even if it's your decision to make, it's going to be a better decision because of that. If it's a collective decision... And that team leaves the room when you're done and you've made a collective decision. They're all going to own that easily because they know their voices were heard and they made a decision based on everybody's collective voice. So it's a win-win. I've grown from it because again, I'm not the best at anything I've done, but when I get other points of view that informs my approach and informs my decision, I guarantee you my decisions are better because I've listened to others' points of view. So there's the essence of leading like King Arthur. It's important. It's going to make you a better leader. And those three leadership tactics that I just talked about and I describe in the book, I guarantee you, if you're listening to this and you start employing those in your organization tomorrow, they will pay dividends. What you were just saying really reminds me of some key points that we make in our decision-making content and our innovation content, which is bounce your ideas off of other people and share them quickly with other people so you can make them better. We talk about a concept called plussing, which is a, a Walt Disney thing where you're just trying to make things just a little bit better, you know, almost that continuous improvement, make a thousand things 1% better instead of one thing a thousand percent better. Perfect. And, you know, also reminds me of the you know President Lincoln and his team of rivals where he had a, a great group of trusted advisors 
probably taking a little bit to the extreme where he had some people from the other side of his viewpoints in his group of trusted advisors. But uh, yeah, great stuff. So now that we've covered three of your leadership tenets, what suggestions or recommendations do you have for our listeners who want to put some of this into practice immediately? First of all, don't get overwhelmed if you're one of those people who by default, because of the tasks that you have to get done in your daily routine, that you and you've acknowledged that you've sort of ignored the leadership side of things, don't get overwhelmed. You don't have to do everything at once. It could be baby steps. Friday is coming up this week. You could reach out to one person in your network, either personal or professional on Friday, just to show them gratitude, show them appreciation. Hey, you matter to me. Check in with them. How are you doing? That was huge for me during the pandemic because when we're all scattered in our homes and everybody's isolated, I reached out to people all the time on Friday and they, in essence, they they reciprocated. So I was spreading the love, but they also reciprocated. So it, it helped me not be isolated. It helped them. And it's a win-win proposition. So that's something you could easily do this week on Friday. And it's going to take two minutes out of your day to do that. Don't get overwhelmed with the magnitude of what leadership is because it's a never ending and evolving thing. You're never going to look at your to-do list and say, oh, leadership, and you, you, you do something to cross it off. It's going to be there all the time. Getting back to your example of how you take care of your people by asking them on the way out the door. I've been in that position where I've lost sight at times of time in regard to, I need to do X before the end of the day. And it's important. Put it on your calendar. And that way, you know, at 345 every day, just whatever, just a number, 345 every day, you know, you're going to overtly and consciously go contact your people because when it's on your calendar, it becomes more important to you. And it's easy to book through that three o'clock hour or that four o'clock hour when it's not on your calendar. But if it's on your calendar, you can say, I could do a 245 to two to 340, but I can't do a three to four because I've got something on my calendar at 345. So there's some tactics that people could employ today. Another thing in regard to be the Buffalo, and I've had this conversation, I was in a leadership uh, coaching program about five years ago, and there was a CEO and a vice president of a company in a group discussion, they talked through this huge issue that they were having with another vice president. And they came to the resolution like, all right, we're going to cut ties with this guy. It's beyond time. And it will do that at nine o'clock Monday morning. So I'm like, all right, I've been silent until now. It's like 1.45 right now on Friday. You just said this thing that's been the bane of your collective existence for the last three or four months, you've realized what you need to do and you're going to wait to do it until Monday morning at night. I said, how far away from are you from the office right now? Oh, we could be there if we left now. We could be there by three. When's this guy done working? Oh, he's done about five. So what's stopping you from right now leaving this meeting and going to address that issue at three o'clock today, because you know, you're going to do it. It's everybody knows it needs to be done. He knows it needs to be done. They picked up their briefcases and coats and walked out the door and took care of it. So if you've got an issue in your life that you've been running from, whether it's personal or professional, you've got something that needs to be addressed, address it now or tomorrow morning when you go in. Don't wait until next week. Don't continue to run for it. That is an actionable item you can take care of and get that angst and that mental anguish that you're going through off of your shoulders. Put it on the person who should own it. Yeah, why well, keep that over your shoulders there for the weekend and such. So right. wonderful example. 
Well, Dan, thank you so much for sharing your leadership journey and the first few tenets uh, for all leaders. We're going to have you back for the rest of the tenets. But in the meantime, if people want to learn more from you, where can we point them to? All right. Our website is uh, leadingbuffalo.com. You can contact me at dan at leadingbuffalo.com. I've got an offer for your listeners. If you would like to join us in a small group coaching program that we are starting in March of 2023, please contact me, dan at leadingbuffalo.com, and I will give you a percent off of the enrollment fee. And it's going to be an eight-week course, and you're going to be situated with other comparably situated leaders. And it's about learning from one another, learning some general tenets, supporting one another, talking about personal leadership issues you may have, and adopting the uh, collective approach of, all right, let's lead like King Arthur. Let's talk through this as a cohort. So if you'd like to join us, contact me. We'll give you a percent off the enrollment fee. And we are starting in March. So dan at leadingbuffalo.com. Great. I'll add some information about that offer and those additional resources into the show notes. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back for the continuation of this discussion and for future episodes.